Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast where I am joined by Texas Slim. And whoo, boy, I am jam-packed and filled with joy from this conversation that I had with him. Absolutely loved every second. We ripped for quite a long time. So please, please, please listen to the entire conversation because I enjoyed it so, so much that I, I feel like I could talk to this guy for hours, maybe even days, honestly. Um, so I hope you guys relate to him as well as I did. Uh, we get into his orange pill story, the beef initiative, everything he's got going on surrounding food initiative and food intelligence, which is absolutely amazing. You know, I think everybody in the Bitcoin space should understand and figure out what they got going on in their food. And honestly, one of the top five accomplishments in my life is Texas Slim telling me I know how to cook a steak. So uh, if you're listening in audio, you're going to miss a little bit of that, but you're going to hear it. So, uh, you know, I, so I'm not lying, obviously, but we get into all that kind of stuff. And then we get into six Bitcoin related stories. We get into the CPI print at 9.1%. We get to the Bitcoin miner stabilizing the grid in Texas. We get to the Lumnus and Gillibrand bill, more known as the crypto bill. We get into Celsius Networks filing for bankruptcy. Twitter is taking Elon Musk to court, all that drama, and the New York Yankees allowing everybody in the organization to accept Bitcoin as payment. And as always, this is not financial advice, not financial advice, not financial advice. Everything that Texas Slim and I say in this episode is strictly our opinion and not financial advice. And so be sure to check out Texas Slim, the Beef Initiative, his Substack, everything you got he's got going on you can check it out in the show notes and man oh man i absolutely love this episode so i couldn't say it enough so i will let you guys get to this episode as soon as possible whoosh what's up everybody i am live with another edition of the state of bitcoin podcast but first i'd like to thank my node for helping me get set up with podcasting 2.0 so if you are listening to this in audio, I'd encourage you to turn over to Fountain or Breeze, one of these uh, you know value for value podcast podcasting apps. You don't necessarily have to send me apps or send me sats, but I do really enjoy Fountain, and I think they're doing great stuff over there. So go ahead and sh- support some Bitcoiners. And fair warning, it is storming pretty bad here in Florida. So if you hear a little bit of rain or noise in the background, I apologize. Uh, I need to get a little bit better of a studio, but I have a very, very special guest. I'm very excited for Texas Slim, and I'm going to pull him up. Texas Slim, how are we doing today? Hey, how's it going, sir? You doing all right? I heard that storm, so uh, send that stuff to Texas, would you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, growing up in Austin, I always know that uh, you know Central Texas and and the greater parts of that always need some more rain. Uh, I think like they were in a massive drought when I was growing up for like maybe over like a couple years or so, but um rain is never an issue here in florida unfortunately or fortunately depends how you look at it but let's get into it so why don't you tell us your orange pill story and a little bit about yourself 
You bet. Uh, the orange pill story is one I don't mind telling because, you know, it happened very honestly. It happened very uh, truthfully and it happened kind of a time in my life that I was kind of struggling. Uh, I grew up in small town, Texas. I grew up pretty rough. You know, I grew up agriculture, ranching, working, blue collar, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I've been pretty beat up a couple of times in my life, you know, as far as work and accidents and all that. Well, a couple of years ago, I, I got busted up pretty good on the and I had some internal injuries. And so I was laid up for a while and I was pretty laid up hard. And I'd been like that before. And so I, when I get like that, I come from research and analysis and like big tech. And I got out of that, you know, but that's where I come from as far as my professional career. So I get into things and I start researching them. And so I started researching food and, you know, I was using YouTube and stuff and I knew about Bitcoin and stuff. And all of a sudden I got into an algorithm and it was Bitcoin. And so I started looking deeper into food because I wanted to kind of heal and be the best that I could be. And I wanted my internal, you know, organs, everything functioning properly again. So I was going to go really deep into nutrition. And at the same time, I started understanding Bitcoin and the decentralization of Bitcoin. And so once I started tying that decentralization thought that I was learning with Bitcoin, I started doing that with food. And at the same time, I, I started going down a food intelligence and a Bitcoin rabbit hole that's been the same ever since that I got, you know, orange pilled. And that was because I was kind of beat up and it was a kind of a survival mode for me. I was I was laid up for a good I can't remember really, but it was an extended period of time. It wasn't just a couple of weeks. And so I just spent all my time looking at food and Bitcoin. Yeah. So tell me about that. Tell me about your fascination with food and like kind of how that went, went in order. Was it first like, hey, you realize like maybe I need to focus a little bit more on your nutrition and that led you to Bitcoin? Or was it more, more so, you know, you went through Bitcoin and then you understood like, hey, you know, kind of yeah. like what Saifedina Moose says in the Bitcoin standard or the fiat standard, uh, you know, more so that the the food or the you know, the fiat money kind of caused this issue of trying to make food cheaper and, you know, thus degrading right. quality, which well, kind of it for you. Yeah. Well, you know, it comes holistically to, for me, I come from agriculture and ranching. My, my grandfather, you know, we come from the panhandle of Texas and, you know, I'm, I'm many generations into Texas as far as my ancestors. And we come from, you know, animal producing and agriculture. So I knew basically what had happened after 1971 within, you know, within our agriculture. I knew all the deceptions. I didn't know exactly how deep, but my grandfather's land that I should be really, you know, our, our family should still have basically was the devastation of going off the gold standard and, you know, introducing monocropping. So I knew there was deception. And I, I've never been a fast food guy. I grew up with eating out of beef, out of freezers. You know, that's where how we were raised. We always had meat. We always had produce from grandfather's farm. We always we didn't have to worry about supermarkets that much. And so I had a lot to lean on with food. But whenever, you know, you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, you kind of it, it enlightens you to look at something you might already know and dig a little bit deeper from a different perspective. And so I started, you know, once I really, like I said, the decentralization of thought, you know, led me deeper into the, the problems that we have in agriculture within the cattle industry, within our food industrial system, and, you know, how much it is controlled in a way that people have no clue about. I gotcha. Now that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I completely agree. And I think it's, it's pretty interesting that you come from that perspective where it's more so, hey, you already knew the food, you know, the deception of that. 
And then it mm-hmm. kind of like led you to Bitcoin and you're like, hey, you know, this could be a potential solution. So I think yeah. that's really interesting. And, you know, I love what you're doing about with the beef initiative. So why don't you get into that? And I actually have a, have a little prop here. I, okay. I cooked myself a steak for this conversation, too. So well I'm gonna done, sir. In, uh, All right. I'm gonna- yeah. Are we gonna grade it? Are we gonna grade yeah, it online? Cut it open real quick and see what you what you give me real quick. Proof of work. Don't trust. Verify. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, the the one issue I will preface this is I did go to a Bit Devs meetup before, okay. so um, I cooked it before and I heated up, so it might be a little bit more well done. Sure, because that cooks itself after a while. So. Yeah. Oh man, you did good. I mean, especially you got a little time on that. Well done. You, I'm not going to say well done. I'm going to yeah. say good job. Yeah, I was no, going uh, for a, like a, a medium rare kind of cut. So there we go. Right. Uh, everybody has uh, has, my, you. has my rating. You're hearing it here first that Texas Slim says I can cook a steak. So, yep. you know, ladies. Let me ask you, how'd you cook it though? What'd you cook it with? Fire or cast iron? Yeah, that's the problem is I don't have a cast iron skillet, so I okay. couldn't do it. I just did it on the normal skillet, uh, right. like nonstick, and yeah. uh, three minutes each side. That's all I did. Yeah, it doesn't take much, but uh, we'll get you a cast iron here, you know, hopefully uh, coming soon. Maybe I'll yeah. send one to, in the mail to you because yeah. you got to get the cast iron. You got to have fire, right? Yeah, so, exactly. But uh, anyways, well done. Good job. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, so let, let's get into let's after get into my steak. Let's get into the beef initiative. So, okay, let's start with this. I'm going to ask you another question. Where'd you get that steak? Yeah, that's a problem. As I, I didn't shake my local farmer's hand, which I know you say, but I got it at my local grocery store. So uh, exactly. So yeah. the, the market access is what you have. Your market access is a grocery store. Well, I I've been doing food intelligence now for three years. I've been on the ground. There you go. I've been on the ground doing all kinds of things. I, I went out and fed the homeless for a good time. I was feeding 250 people a week. I went into uh, looking at the educational system and what we're feeding in public schools. And so I did a deep dive into food and food intelligence and where we get it from and in everything. And what I, I even embedded myself into a harvest company last year at this time, I was out in North Dakota, you know, doing uh, harvest, but I was actually researching. And, I, and when I was out there, I did the hashtag food intelligence and I started writing. I wrote the harvest of deception that you can find on my Substack. And I said, well, I can't bitch about all this without providing solutions. So I said, I'm going to I'm going to look back about how I was raised and how it was common to actually have a, you know, a freezer full of beef and how we got that beef and how you can still get that beef to today is just people don't realize it. And I knew that, you know, the relationships that we had with ranchers growing up with the agriculture community was something that a lot of people needed to hear about. And so I started designing a roadmap and a storyboard that I was going to be able to do. And I gave myself a 10 year plan to basically open up and start opening up the agriculture and ranching industry to people and let people have a new consumer demand to the American rancher because they're being they're they're being run out of business. Our land is getting stolen. The beef is basically uh, manipulated in ways like that. That beef, you don't know where that beef. I'm not talking. I'm not going to I'm not going to bash you because you got what you got. But I'm going to tell a story that people don't know where their, their meat comes from. And just because it says USDA prime and, you know, it's, it's needed, it's a needed certification in a stamp. But, you know, if we're still reading labels these days on food, then we're, we really don't know what we're consuming. And so I knew that we had to get out there and we had to bring some food intelligence and we had to 
make people understand that the war on meat is nefarious and everything behind cholesterol, the fat-free lie, everything a lot of Bitcoiners already understand that they would get what the Beef Initiative is and they would be a foundation of value that the Beef Initiative needed to get a voice and to get people behind the movement. And that's how it's kind of transpired and it's working out pretty good because the Bitcoin crowd is is the reason that we're here. And, and you know, not, I like to thank everybody as much as I can, but everybody out there in the Bitcoin space, all the plebs out there, I mean, we're doing this and we're doing this together. It is a big collaboration and it, it's been a good ride so far. Yeah. So why don't you dive into that a little bit more? So, uh, you know, how is the Bitcoin crowd kind of helping you? And, you know, I think like like you said earlier that, you know, the earlier talk, like 1971, you kind of noticed that, that the food degraded then. So mm -hmm. you know, how how are you noticing that, you know, more Bitcoiners are kind of coming to that conclusion and, uh, you know, what are they trying to do about it? I know, you know, you have the Beef Initiative. Um, mm -hmm. Do you see like kind of like a big wave of Bitcoiners, like kind of, you know, figuring out the money isn't working and then, you know, then then yeah. into to other solutions of, you know, almost everything, whether it's food or real estate or quality of education, like all that kind of things. Um, I feel like it's almost all intertwined in a sense. It and uh, Bitcoiners are kind of waking up to that. So are you feeling like, you know, the the rally and like push behind Bitcoin with the beef, beef initiative is helping it out dramatically? Or uh, do you think like, you know, do you also run into like some non-Bitcoiners that also realize like, hey, the beef, you know, the food quality and everything like that is going down as well? Right. Yeah. And that's a good question as far as the demographics of people. Um, you know, as far as the Bitcoin space and what they're doing, I just got off a uh, 7,800. 7,800 miles about. Uh, I did a kind of a Tennessee tour, barn raising tour. It was what I called it. So I road tripped across many states and, you know, I spent like 40 total days on the road and I went to like nine different Bitcoin meetups. And so I was telling everybody about the Beef Initiative. Well, within the Beef Initiative, what it is, uh, we're going to build out the Beef Initiative just like we're building out Bitcoin with meetups. And we're it's hyper-localization. You basically act locally, but you broadcast globally. And, you know, that that statement comes from the Nash Bitcoiners, Rod over there at Bitcoin Park. And so you, you look at the Bitcoin, you know, community right now, and they are getting very in tune with food because they're starting to understand that, yeah, the money was debased in 1971 when we went off the gold standard. Well, anything that was wrapped around that money is going to be debased, too. And you look at the health of the, if the, if the United States from 1971 to 2022, the debasement of the dollar and the debasement of our metabolical health has been the same chart. And you can't deny it. So you look at the food, you look at the money, you start understanding as a Bitcoiner and somebody that's really serious about, you know, moving forward and innovating within Bitcoin, do you be, you know, most people are starting to understand you better start with your food and you better start with the new market access that you can rely on that you create for yourself instead of relying on the same corporations that are basically the power behind the, the defaulting of our U.S. dollar. You can't have, you can't go out there and be still eating chicken tendies and pizza pockets and be a true Bitcoiner. If you're going to be a true Bitcoiner, and I'm not saying you have to eat beef, but you're going to eat pure food and you're going to know the people that raise that food, steward that food, and you get a vertical integration back into decentralized money. You get a vertical integration back into clean food. You get vertical integration back into your health. 
it's all the same. It's all symbiotic and you can walk that line and live that lifestyle all at once. And if Bitcoiners are over there just focusing just on Bitcoin and they're boxing themselves in and compartmentalizing their understanding of Bitcoin, and you need to expand it out and you need to let it touch part of your life that you want to innovate into. And that's what I'm doing with the Beef Initiative because I'm using what I, how I was raised as a Texan in a small town being surrounded by agriculture you know, and, and cattle ranching and, you know, feed yard, everything that is the cattle industry, I was there. And so I said, this is a no brainer. I know, I know the solution and, you know, we're proof of work now. I mean, we're selling beef through the beef initiative where you can buy beef with Bitcoin. We've have ranchers that are coming in daily into our platform that the Bitcoiners are reaching out to because they're searchable and they're finding like today, um, I've talked to a buddy of mine. He, he became a friend this year. He's a Arkansas rancher. He was struggling and now he got into the beef initiative. Guess what? He's, he's full of customers. People are ordering his beef and he's basically going to get some more cattle. And he's thriving when everybody else is kind of stressing out. And now he's going to get onboarded and be able to accept Bitcoin for beef, beef for Bitcoin. So that's, that's how awesome. it's going out. Yeah. Yeah. So like, t tell me about that. So are you, you're basically like onboarding, uh, you know, ranchers and everything to kind of help them out, you know, mm -hmm. avoid those, maybe those fees, those transactions, uh, having Bitcoiners straight up reach out to their farmers, opposed to going to, you know, the local grocery stores and everything right. like that. Um, so how is that experience going? I mean, it, it seems like, you know, obviously in Texas it's blowing up. Um, and I know you guys have, a, um, you know, a conference coming up too in a couple of weeks. So if you want yeah. to dive into that as well, um, but how is that going with like ranchers and everything? Are they more open to, Hey, you know, I can go direct to consumer and kind of cut out these middlemen. And then, you know, not only that, except Bitcoin and, you know, it's this hard money and everything like that. Are they kind of grasping that pretty easily or yeah. is it? you know, an uphill battle. Well, it's with anything, you, you know, you have, you have the level of ignorance and innocence of ignorance. You have a lot of things that get in the way of, of being informed and kind of, you know, having that awakening and everything. The one thing that I knew about ranchers that I know that the ranchers are out there and we've proven that because I'm working with a lot of them now is that a rancher already thinks decentralized. He, his whole life is decent. His whole industry is volatile. You know, Bitcoin is not volatile to a rancher because they have to deal with commodities, subsidies, droughts. I mean, across the board, every year is a different year. So they it's a numbers game from them. And so understanding Bitcoin for the people that are ready for it, because we all we all fall into Bitcoin when we're ready for it. You know, acceptance is a key. And so the ranchers that get it and that, that put that intentional maybe hundred hours into it, it blows up. They totally see it. They get it. And they're, we're, we're innovating with it. And, you know, right now we got Cole Bolton down there at KNC Cattle out of, uh, outside of Austin, right? And he's basically supplying all our beef within the beef initiative right now. You know, that's all the beef boxes that we're selling. Well, he's the first rancher that I know of in history. I don't know if somebody has somebody else out there, but he's already a full coiner because he traded Bitcoin and beef. So he earned his Bitcoin by selling his beef and we got him onboarded. We helped with the education. We gave him the technology stack. We have partnerships with Ibex. Now we have partnerships. We, we were using open no, but now we're using Ibex and we've got partnership with Oshi, you know, Oshi's the reward program. They can build in discounts and all kinds of stuff with Oshi transactional things are being taken care of with Ibex. 
So the technology stack is there. And once we move forward now, we're I'm more onboarding three ranchers within the next three weeks as the Colorado conference is going on. And I guarantee you we're going to be onboarding a hell of a lot more ranchers after that because it's almost drag and drop. We can copy and paste our technology stack into whatever they need. And we're helping them out with that e-commerce if they don't have it. Thing about a lot of people don't understand, these farmers and ranchers want to go consumer, you know, peer-to-peer transactions. A lot of them already do it, but they have to rely on centralized platforms such as Facebook and Instagram, and they can't advertise their meat in certain ways. They've got so many restrictions, so they don't have a voice. And, you know, that's what I tell everybody. It's like it's time to give the American rancher a voice again, and they're getting it through the beef initiative. So it's all symbiotic. The education is there. The technology stack is there. The vertical integration's there. So I'm just telling people catch up right now because we're doing it and we've been doing it for a while. And I think here moving into the fall with that, what we're doing with food globally on the macro level and what's going to come down. Because I know I get reports from ranchers every day what's really going on in the ranching industry and the beef industry. And, the, you know, it's not all this, this uh, FUD. It's not all this centralized media propaganda I know what's going on in the beef industry right now better than most people, especially in the state of Texas. And so that's why I want people to come in. It's like be informed here, guys. Listen to the signal. We put a lot of time into this. And, you know, it is about selling beef, but it is about basically education. And the education is flowing, you know, in both directions. You know, we're orange pilling ranchers and the ranchers are ranch pilling the Bitcoiners. So. Hey, I love this stuff. This is awesome. So, you know, uh, I do have a, a question in the crowd here. Joey from the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. He's asking if you've considered meeting up or talking with Mark Ripto uh, in Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, because he's more so about like the strength training. And he talks a lot about, you know, getting the protein and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of diving into that. Have you kind of considered maybe like, you know, mixing the crowds or two, like, you know, mixing oh, the yeah. meat? Like more of the strength crowd and stuff like that? Yeah, we are. And, you know, in Colorado, you brought up earlier, and I'll go back to your question, but in Colorado, you know, we're, we're having a conference. We're going to have a conference, and it's going to be about, of course, regenerative farming and ranching. It's going to be you know, about how do you meet your rancher, right, and how you educate a rancher and how a rancher educates you. But we're going to go dive deep into nutrition, and basically now – we're, we're we've already had a conference that we brought in a doctor, Dr. Mary Kerr, and she talks about the benefits of pure animal protein, testosterone. So we're bringing in the nutrition discussion. We're bringing in, you know, whatever it is. There is nothing that we're not going to touch within the beef initiative because it is the source of the seed of everybody's empowerment. If you believe in beef, you believe in carnivore eating there, you got to start at the, at the source of the seed. And so people like, um, you know, what was his name out in Wichita? I'm sorry, Wichita Falls, you said? Mark Ripto. Mark he's, like, he's like a big strength uh, guy. Yeah. He's kind of like into CrossFit and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and he's like known for his uh, brash teaching style and kind of like his humor along with that stuff. So, sure. um, yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, the like- collaboration is free. The collaboration is there. Anybody who wants to contact the Beef Initiative and let's cross-pollinate, you know, the demographics of everybody that wants to get healthy and leave – you know, sound money, sound health, sound communications for a sound future. That's what we're about in the beef initiative. 
you know, it, it's about living that life that, you know, that sovereign individual life that we're all saying that we want in the in the Bitcoin space. And there's plenty of people from the nutrition and from, the, you know, the CrossFit, anything like that from the athletic, you know, standpoint. Hell yeah. I mean, we got to be strong to be able to, you know, to move forward. And anybody that's already doing that, let's connect the dots to where we can actually build those nodes of market access to the type of beef that he needs. And, you know, create those relationships. And that's what we're doing within the Beef Initiative. So, yeah, anybody's – we're open to any collaboration right now. Yeah, you guys should definitely get together. And maybe I can try to help facilitate that with uh, my buddy Joey here in the crowd too. But sure. um, well, I think this conversation is is very interesting too because, you know, a little background on myself. I ran track and cross country in college, and we had mm -hmm. a nutritionist that visited us. And, you know, they'd always talk about, well, well you know, stay, you can eat a little bit of red meat, but not a lot, um, you know, kind of stay away from it. And, you know, we didn't really lift a lot of weights in, in college or anything like that. And you know, the more I've kind of grown out of that and gotten into my adult life, I realized like, hey, you know, nutritionists, like they're kind of being fed all this academia kind of stuff that, you know, from 1971, that uh, soy burgers, even though those are you know, a hundred times more processed than, than meat might be. Uh, those are allegedly better for you than, you know, the steak that I'm eating over here and picking at while we're going through this. And it's just kind of incredible to me that, you know, we're, we're at this point and I don't understand like any of these studies, you know, I, I think I looked into the red meat study that says, you know, it causes heart disease. And essentially it was a survey that asked a lot of people, like, hey, how many times a week do you eat red meat? And included in that was like McDonald's hamburgers and all this very processed stuff and not really the, the pure animal protein. So how do you think we got to this point? Like uh, of like, you know, getting away from this. this how many hours? How many hours do we have? All right, here we go. I'm going to I'm going to give the best shot that I can because it's a broad, broad and it's very generalized. And we got to put things into perspective, right? Okay, for anybody out there that wants to get deeper in food intelligence that hasn't, go to my Substack, TexasSlim.substack.com. Start there, read it, and you'll understand about kind of what I'm about to review over right now. You look back at cholesterol and you look about the basically the cholesterol lie. Well, of course, that was started with Ansel Keys. And that all started with uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower having a heart attack, massive heart attack in 1954. And everybody couldn't understand, oh, my God, our soldier, our president, you know, just had a heart attack. Well, there's a lot of opportunistic people that went in there and they started really vilifying animal protein and they started vilifying, you know, um, animal fats. And so with that, they didn't bring up the fact that Eisenhower ate, uh, smoked four packs of cigarettes a day either. And so a lot of these studies that came in were nefarious or they were just trying to get market share of the agricultural world. Well, that kind of kicked it off to where you had all these seed companies and people have no clue how powerful the seed companies are across the globe. They control the seed. They control everything about you. You just don't know it. And so by saying that 85% of our food comes from, you know, those global processors, those global seed companies. And so once that kind of kicked in, you had 1971. Okay. We debased our dollar where our agricultural world, I was a child of the seventies. All of a sudden we started having all these new food products being introduced whenever we went off the gold standard. And so what they had to do, they had to create some new fake commodities and layer them on top 
so they could have some new fake value because we had a debased dollar. So we have to debase our food. So you talk about soy, soy came out. You talk about all the seed oils, all the high fructose corn syrups. And then you had a lot of these institutions, these academic institutions. Well, nobody ever goes deep and say, Hey, where was that study funded? Most of the time you can go back to a chemical company, a grain company, pharmaceutical company you can find it people just don't do it you go to these major institutions that they you know they have a degree a phd in nutrition well i say so what anymore because our country right now 78 percent of 78 percent of us are metabolically um you know bankrupt right now 78 percent is either obese or overweight one out of two americans is now diabetic or pre-diabetic and so that type of academic uh, study in that type of I guess academic authority has led us into a horrible place and it's time for it to, basically it's time for it to stop and so you want to get back to how we got here well let's look at before 1971 you can look at the pictures that you see all the time on Bitcoin Twitter and you can see how we ate well why was that well it was because of animal protein and so once you go down that rabbit hole of food intelligence of the cholesterol lie you know, the fat fiction that, you know, was based on seed oils and you go back and you understand the manipulation that's happened in the last hundred years, you really do realize that it's been a bunch of propaganda and it still is to this day. And you get a lot of medical people in the, you know, doctors in the medical profession. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty uh, good connections with Dr. Philip Ovedia right now. He's on the Bitcoin Twitter and, you know, he, he, he's in a Bitcoin space. It's I fix hearts. And what he does, you know, he's told me so many things that he did not learn in medical school. And so we say doctor, doctors aren't nutritionists. Doctors are doctors and they, there is no correlation. They don't get a lot of studies and they don't get a lot of time to understand nutrition going through medical school. And then once again, let's see if you're a nutritionist out there, I want to I want to know what you studied and where those studies came from. And I guarantee, I guarantee you that it came from somebody that basically was connected to the agricultural department, big ag, big tech, not big tech, but big pharma, big chemical. And that's, that's something that people are starting to wake up to. And once you kind of go down that, you see how simple it is. It's so simple. It's complicated. You need to eat food that comes from the soil. The soil has the vitamins and the minerals, and you need to make sure the soil is in the best shape that it can be in. That's the vertical integration back into human health. And that's how, not, you know, it, it's like I said, it's so simple, it's complicated to people. I love that line. It's so simple, it's complicated. And I think it's just, you know, a lot about taking ownership, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you talked about the farmers already being decentralized kind of from society because they sustain themselves, right? Right. And, you know, I know it's not realistic for everybody to be like that, but I think, you know, more of the Bitcoin crowd is kind of realizing, hey, like, you know, I need to be decentralized from the government when it comes to my money. I can be decentralized from, you know, everybody else when it comes to my health, you know, whether it's working out or everything like that. And now, like, you know, I can't maybe I can't physically be decentralized from, uh, you know, everything that comes in my food. But at the end of the day, I can do my best I can and, you know, shake my farmer's hand, know exactly where my food is coming from and, you know, have that personal relationship and also kind of help that you know, circular local economy by yeah. going through all this beef initiative. So, uh, you know, I'm, this gets me hyped up. So why don't you tell me a little bit about like, you know, wh where you're kind of like 
thinking about moving and like setting up. I, I know we talked a little bit sure. about pre-show, but setting up nodes and like describing how that's going. Yeah, well, we got, you know, Texas, of course, I've got a I've kind of got a I've got a base out, out in the Texas panhandle a little t- outside of town of uh, Canyon, Texas. That's where I was. Gr- I grew up and I've got a processor and a producer out here, Justin, and he's with Panhandle Meats. And then we've got Cole Bolton down there in Austin with KNC Cattle. And like I said, he's supplying all the beef through the beef initiative right now. So we, I'm going to have a headquarters. I'm going to go down. I'm going to have a spot down in Luling, Texas. I'm going to have a spot up in the Panhandle of Texas. And then we announced that we have a headquarters over there in Nashville now at Bitcoin Park with the Nash Bitcoiners. And so I'll be working with Rod and Matt and Mills over there. We're going to establish kind of a headquarters there. I'll be traveling a lot there in 2023. And then, of course, going back to our Colorado conference, that's out in Crawford, Colorado, out at Jason's place. And that's Jason Rick of Rick Ranches. So I'll have a spot out there that we coordinate out as well. So you see that triangle that we're building with these this node system. And now we want to start spawning off of those headquarters that we're going to have within the beef initiative. And, you know, by doing that, you know, I'm going to start telling people, Basically, if you're going to have a Bitcoin meetup, if you're anywhere in the United States, if you're not inviting a local animal producer rancher to your Bitcoin meetups, you're doing it wrong because you need to invite them. Say, hey, would you come educate us? We're, you don't even have to talk about Bitcoin. You can say, I have you know, a group of people that want to hear about what you do. We want you to educate us. And then you ask them, will you feed us as well? Can we buy something from you? Can we cook some steaks whenever you come to this Bitcoin meetup? We start doing that. These nodes start going out. And all of a sudden, these Bitcoiners realize, well, hell, I don't have to worry about the rest of the world freaking out about food insecurity right now because my node, my Bitcoin meetup, we have a rancher and everybody in that Bitcoin meetup space is now buying from that rancher. He has he's taking care of his consumer demand. He's he's basically learning about Bitcoin. He's being educated. So we're going to have all these little nodes popping up all over the United States. Um Whenever the July 22nd through 24th, it's the Colorado Beef Initiative Conference that's out at Jason's place. You know, we're going to have access to 4,000 acres out there, okay? And this conference is going to be about, you know, beef. It's going to be about regenerative farming. It's going to be about education. We're also going to talk about homeschooling, home birthing. We're talking about mining, Bitcoin mining for ranchers, but, you know, building those nodes out that we can basically have each one of those educational strong points at these conferences. Once we have those kind of built out as a, is it kind of a, a playbook for us? Then we can start using that in these node building across the United States. I'm going to try to get up to uh, Idaho in October. I'm going to try, I'll be get, going to Wyoming at the same time. I'm going to go out to Washington state, Oregon, I hope. So we're just going out and we're just building off of these three point, you know, headquarter system that we've we've already established. And they're they're thriving right now. People are every one of these nodes I just said in Texas, Tennessee and Colorado, not not Tennessee. We just announced it. But everybody else is man. They're they're the ranchers are thriving and everybody's happy. They're storing up their freezers with their beef. So this is working. We have proof of work. And I want people to know that this is a solution. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff going on. And I know uh, if you want to purchase tickets to this, uh, you can use Oshi, which with Michael yeah. Atwood, I uh, had him on the pod a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, a lot of great stuff going on in Texas. And, you know, being uh, gr- growing up in Texas, it just makes me feel a lot of Texan pride. Uh, yeah. So it's a lot of great stuff. But 
Um, you know, I want to be cognizant of your time. So let's jump sure. into some of these current event stories that I got going on. Okay. The first story, you know, I feel like it, it's kind of on the outskirts of Bitcoin, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it definitely affects the narrative and everything surrounding Bitcoin, uh, the inflation print. So CPI printed 9.1. It's the highest CPI, CPI print in over 40 years. And it seems like we're kind of saying this every single month. Um, so, you know, as a guy that's more boots on the ground, dealing with a lot of, you know, farmers and, you know, people that kind of deal with some of these overhead expenses, whether it's gasoline or, or some of these other, you know, CapEx expenditures, uh, it's just straight up just with these, uh, you know, people raising cattle and things like that. How do you kind of view this inflation? Because, you know, obviously it's been very massive and the prints are, you know, kind of a month uh, previous. Um, mm -hmm. So how are you seeing that kind of effect like the everyday person? And like, what is your view on like, I, you know, Bitcoin and how that could potentially solve that issue? Well, and, and it's a good timing to ask that question because, you know, I went on that tour and everything and I've been telling everybody, you know, they say, what what'd you see out there? Because I just didn't drive the interstates. I went through small towns. I looked at America and what I saw is that there's a new uh, layer of poverty that's being stacked on the existing layer of poverty. And it's definitely happening. And a lot of people don't see it because they don't get out. They don't see the country because they're living their life through the computer screens and they don't leave their towns and they don't leave. But I went out there and like I said, I drove over 7000 miles and I saw a lot of poverty. I saw a lot of things that don't look right out there. I see a lot of food deserts and that's that's caused because of inflation of food. They don't even put, you know, food in the CPI model because they're afraid to, because basically the inflation of food right now is nothing more than a starvation over time. Because not only a lot of people don't have access to good, pure food, they have only access they have is very nutritionally weak food. That's this overly processed sludge that is basically making them even more poor in their mind and their body and their, in their pocketbooks. So this inflation is a tax on humanity in a way that I don't think we've seen in a long time in my lifetime. I grew up in the 70s. This feels a lot like the 70s, but like uh, it's going to be about times 10, in my opinion, when it comes to food. There will be food supply shortages. There will be things that happen this year that people are being very complacent about. And then we look at the numbers, we look at everything. But if you want to talk about true boots on the ground, people are suffering out there. And a lot of people aren't paying attention to, to how bad it is right now. And then you go into basically, uh, you know, the farmer and rancher. Well, I've had a lot of uh, discussions this week. And what's really going on right now, and it's called culling. And, you know, you're, you're going to have to cull your herd. Well, a lot of people culling herds and a lot of people actually getting rid of their herds of cattle. We'll just stick with cattle right now because they don't have they have maybe too much high, uh, input costs. You know, they can't afford the diesel. They don't have enough grain. They don't have enough uh, hay. They didn't they weren't able to plan for this drought in a way that they did. And so you have a lot of uh, smaller ranchers, smaller regenerative farming ranchers that are selling their cattle off and they're getting rid of them because they can't they can't sustain them at this time so what that's going to do it's going to flood the market with uh beef that's not ready to be beef and when, whenever you happen you, you you screw with inventories and so what that does and this is the plan globally is what's happening is they're turning beef into caviar 
they're going to they're going to out um, they're going to outprice it to where the common man can't afford to eat pure animal protein. And then they're going to supplement that pure animal protein with this new fake commodity system that they're building. Because macro, we're going through a global food industrial shift and people don't really know what that means. It means it's being reinvented and it's happening across the world. You got the Netherlands, you got Sri Lanka, all of this is part of the food industrial shift. And so you look at that in the United States and you look at that with the American rancher. Well, that's going to drive a lot of the smaller guys out of business. And then basically the processing centers have control over that because they can buy that beef. And they can basically make profit, even if it's bad beef. Well, what's very cool about this as well, though, is you've got the ranchers that are in the beef initiative that have certain protocols where their input costs are not as bad as the other rancher because they're going the regenerative route. They have the commodities that they need. They have low input costs. And the most important thing here that people don't understand, they have free market access to processing centers that are not four of the global processing centers that is key here and that's something that we've got in the beef initiative we have full decentralized access through our processing centers in the beef initiative so we don't have to worry about inflation our beef is going down our beef right now you can buy 20 pounds of beef hamburger on the beef initiative right now it's 110 dollars. you can't find that price in the supermarket and you can't come to me and say this type of beef is more expensive no it's not and in, for the type of beef nutrition that you're getting and that security of relationship and, and building that relationship with the rancher, that's priceless right now. And it's going to get a lot more. And I'm not a doomer. I'm not an alarmist, but people need to start paying attention. And if it doesn't affect you, then you might be in part of the country that it's not. But people in the city, you know, they don't have that access to that rancher. That's why we have the beef initiative. You know, we're delivering 48 states right now. And we're, we're doing it pretty successfully And our, our new processing center is about to open up to where our volume is going to increase by tenfold. And so we're doing that with all of this inflation, all the CPI, all the lies around food and CPI. And actually, we're maintaining our prices and we're actually getting stronger. Our herds are getting bigger. And so we're going to be able to bring those people in that are tired of the lies of CPI, tired of the, basically, especially when it comes to good food, they're going to funnel into us just like people are going to funnel into Bitcoin because we're a Bitcoin company. I mean, we're backed by Bitcoin, you know, and, you know, that's, that's what's so beautiful about this. If I get confused about the beef initiative, I just go back to Bitcoin and I say, how are we doing it in the Bitcoin space? It's open source, it's crowd crowdsourced. And, you know, it's transparent, it's honest, and, you know, we verify before we trust. And that's how we're moving forward. It's the easiest business plan in the world right now, and people are going to catch on to that. Yeah, and I think, like, people are getting on to that. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, like, especially with all these businesses kind of failing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Bitcoin casinos that are going on and everything like that, people are kind of waking up to this. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, US or it was like US CPI was trending on Twitter the day that it dropped, which yeah. means like to me that a lot more people are paying attention because, you know, honestly, before I kind of got into Bitcoin and before like 2020, I, you know, maybe knew CPI, but I never really tracked it or anything like that. And seeing like how much they cut out food, how much they cut out gasoline, like all these other things, it's just. You know, absolutely incredible to me. And I think uh, more, more people are, re- are waking up to that fact. 
Well, let's let's look at nine point one, and let's just you know let's let's increase that about I don't know let's say seven, you know let's get up to about sixteen or seventeen percent, and then we we might be able to start talking. And you know the common man, the per- person out there that really has to worry about gas, food, you know energy, you know that that matters, and you know it's it's convenient how they cut that crap out. And so their type of inflation is nothing more than a taxation. And the way they do their taxation is theft. And they did it because they printed so much money on a fake dollar that has no value anymore. And they know it and they're running scared. And that's why Bitcoin is so powerful. And what a better place to start with Bitcoin, to educate Bitcoin, to use Bitcoin, except to get the food you need to survive moving forward. And it's a no brainer to me. Oh, hundred percent. I, like I said, I think that the two worlds are kind of like hand in hand mm-hmm. and it's interesting that you kind of came from the, you know, the cattle space into Bitcoin opposed to, you know, a lot of people are coming into Bitcoin and then finding, you know, the cattle space. So I think that's awesome that you kind of found your way into mm-hmm. the Bitcoin space. And I, I, like I said, I think it's a, a solution and I think everybody should you know get on that beef initiative. So I definitely want to do that and get some of that good beef too. So if you guys, uh, I think you need to make a stop in Tampa or like right outside to kind of uh, get get it. Yeah, Florida's going to be its own trip. Florida's going to yeah. be its own trip. And no, I'm looking for a I'm looking for a headquarters in Florida. Florida has the second most, I think, the third most cattle in the United States. It's a right around the third or fourth. So there's a cattle industry in Florida, but you know it it, it has to be handled on its own. Florida's its own thing, man. We all know that. So you know you got to treat it special. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, for sure. But on that note, on on treating states special, let's move back into Texas, right? So granted, you know, whether you you grew up in Texas, you you hear a lot of things. Texas is, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. You know, you got your George Strait. All my exes live in Texas. You got, you know, maybe the Mike Jones, who who you might not know, but, uh, you know, he says Texas is the home of the player and pimps. But it seems like now Texas is uh, also the Bitcoin mining capital of the world, or at least becoming that. Yeah. Um, So recently we had the Bitcoin miners all kind of come together, which I think is really awesome. You know, we have uh, Riot, Argo, Core Scientific, Mm -hmm. and some other big miners, kind of uh, industrial sized miners come off and turn off their Bitcoin miners to help stabilize the grid and the heat wave. Yeah. So, you know, how do you kind of view Texas as like almost like the Bitcoin mining capital of the world or at least like kind of moving that way and, uh, you know, all kind of banding together to, you know, help sustain Texas as, you know, just overall, just like understanding like, hey, I'm a miner um, and uh, I'm not like out here just straight for profit or anything like that. I also want, you know, the state of Texas to thrive as well. Um, yeah. So they're kind of preparing for all that. Like, you know, how do you kind of view the whole industry in Texas and helping Texas grow, you know, as a native Texan yourself? I, I see it. You know, you look at you look at Texas and, you know, just being who I am and how I was right. Texas is just a state of mind. It really is. You know, and it, it's not that's being humble, you know, as much as I can say. It's just a Texas state of mind. You know, it's got a lot of independence to it. You know, not everybody in Texas is, you know, like me. There's plenty of people in Texas that, you know, you could find anywhere else in the country that just don't give a shit about being Texan. But that, I'm not one of them because it comes with a lot of independence. It comes with a lot of proof of work where I how I was raised. It was proof of work. And it comes with a lot of cattle. It comes a lot of energy. You know, the oil industry, the gas industry in the state of Texas, we know what it is. 
it's a no-brainer that Texas would be one of the people leading in Bitcoin mining. And there's so much that is so not even been discovered within the energy and mining in Texas. But I think a lot of people are catching on. And, you know, the power grid and like you talk about how we can kind of level out the power grid during these heat waves that we're having in Texas right now, which we have, you know, we're in a drought, we're in a heat wave, it's 100 degrees every day and 110 degrees in some places. And so that really taxes out. We have a lot of large cities. But if you look at it, and I think it's going to be historical, I hope 2022 is a summer that we can look back at and that the Bitcoin mining people did join together and say, collectively, we're going to help power and balance out this grid. And we're going to show the proof of work of what we're talking about and how what our involvement within mining, mining Bitcoin, the energy that we're using and at times not using is is kind of a missing link that we, we we're doing it naturally. People are coming through a free capitalistic society in Texas that has a little bit different of economy. It's a top 10 economy in the world. So it has it has the capital behind it. It has the energy behind it and it has a lot of brain power behind it now. And we have a lot that we can reflect on as far as the energy, how it was pioneered here and what we can le leverage, you know, blow off gas. You know, you, Marty's up in Tennessee right now, and they've got the mining going up there in Tennessee. They're using, you know, natural glass, gas blow off, and they're doing regenerative ranching all on this land. So you're mining Bitcoin, you're regrowing the soil, you're, you're raising beef, and you're mining Bitcoin. It looks like a circular uh, energy wheel to me that this never ends, right? And I think a lot of people are starting to understand that about Texas, that we have the cattle. We have mining, we have energy, we have everything that we need to create that circle of energy that just feeds off itself and it keeps on feeding off itself. And there's other states that are doing it too. You know, you have, you have, uh, you know, up in Wyoming, they're doing a lot with mining. You have, you know, great American mining. There's so many people that are out there that are kind of innovating at this time. And if you look at it, it's because they have access to ha have access to energy that they can leverage. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, Texas is like almost the energy capital of the world, right? Because you got like all the oil and oil and gas industry that kind of runs, uh, you know, the Houston area and everything like that. So it just seems like it's going hand in hand with Bitcoin. And it's amazing to see, you know, I well, think let me bring that up about Texas real quick. Texas has right. got enough freaking oil for the next 400 years. And that's this is no brainer. We do. We have enough oil for the next 400 years and people are worried about that. We're going to run out of we're not going to run out of oil in 400 years. I guarantee you, and, you know, you know, society will evolve into a different realm at that time. But, you know, for them to basically, you know, that's once again, the propaganda propaganda behind the climate, behind energy that, you know, we need to conserve. It's a bunch of crap and people need to quit listening to it. They need to quit playing in that game. And we, you know, you talk, you talk with Marty Bent, you know, how does he look at energy? We need to use as much oil as we possibly can right now to mine as much Bitcoin as we can, as much oil and gas that we can right now and do the best we can with that. And if we really take that power stance, then we're not going to be, we're, we'll become the distraction instead of paying attention to the distraction that is the propaganda. Oh, 100%. I mean, whether it's the ESG narrative or all that other yeah. stuff, you know, at the end of the day, it's all bullshit. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, if you, like, ask a government official, using the flare-off gas to mine Bitcoin is not necessarily ESG-friendly. 
But I mean, how is it not? It doesn't make any sense. So it's just like, it's all to fit a narrative. And I think right now, like the ESG narrative is kind of being weaponized. And I think it's all bullshit. And, you know, the state of Texas, for one, is kind of embracing Bitcoin and kind of saying this ESG bullshit is bullshit. And that's why, you know, the state of Texas is thriving while a lot of these states that are kind of embracing these policies and everything like that are kind of suffering. And you're seeing a lot of people too, like vote with their legs, right? You're seeing right. people move to friendly states like Wyoming, like mm -hmm. Texas, like Florida, like Tennessee, Florida. like, yeah. you know, all these places, people are like flocking from the New York's California's down to there. And it makes you think, okay, like, you know, I, I just hope that these people kind of wake up like and realize like, okay, right these policies made New York and California the way it is. So I don't want to bring these policies down to Texas or down to Florida or Tennessee or wherever they move to. Yeah. And uh, they realize like, Hey, these, the policies that were there and in place made these States already desirable. And that's, what's bringing jobs. That's what's bringing, you know, and making the local economies thrive and like all this and that. So they don't come in and try to bring change. They try to, you know, elevate what is already there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like growing up in Austin and, uh, and we kind of had this, uh, you know, discussion a little bit pre-show, um, it's changed so much already. And I love that, you know, the Bitcoiners and everybody's kind of flocking there. But, you know, when I lived there and grew up, it was definitely a lot more different now uh, than it was back then when I was growing up there. So I think like it's not necessarily on a bad path. I just hope that, you know. Austin and like everybody that's moving there kind of, you know, keeps it to where it was. And uh, that's what I hope for all these states that people are kind of flocking to as well. You there? I, I don't know if I lost him or not. Oh, I think I see him moving, but I don't hear you. Hopefully, I. Texas Slim, I think you're frozen. So, um, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but um, maybe refresh and uh, we'll get back into it. But. Um, oh, he's walking away, I think. Um, I can't hear you right now. Um, but we'll jump in. I'll introduce kind of like the next story a little bit and kind of give a little bit of my background. And I don't know if you could still hear me or not. Uh, maybe blink twice if you could hear me. But uh, he is gone right now, but I will kind of keep moving on. So uh, the next story that we're going to talk about, and we kind of talk about this, you know, a little bit earlier. So hopefully Texas Slim gets back in quickly. But, um, you know, the next story that I want to talk about is the Cynthia Loomis bill, uh, along with Kristen Gillibrand of New York. Um, so if you're in the Bitcoin space, you kind of know Cynthia and Loomis. And, uh, She's been known as a very big Bitcoiner, um, but they've introduced this bill, which I'm going to call more so the crypto bill opposed to the Bitcoin bill. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm kind of already giving away my point, I guess, by introducing it that way. But 
this bill is introduced to be, uh, you know, essentially put some regulation and some policy around the Bitcoin in the greater crypto space. And so the way I read this bill is it's more pro crypto opposed to pro Bitcoin. The wording leaves the bill open to, uh, you know, some more, uh, I guess, for another crypto to become a commodity opposed to just Bitcoin. Although it does have some positive impacts, it allows you to spend up to $200 in Bitcoin, uh, you know, capital gains tax free, um, which also is advantageous. And, you know, we just had, you know, obviously Texas Slim has talked about, uh, you know, paying your ranchers in Bitcoin. And so that can be something. Ah, here he is. Texas Slim, how's it going? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. I can hear you. So I'm getting into <laughs> the next story, which is the Cynthia Loomis uh, of Wyoming and the Kristen Gillibrand uh, bill that they've introduced. And I'm calling it more so the crypto bill. And right. that's because, uh, you know, it seems like it's a little bit more pro crypto opposed to pro Bitcoin. The wording leaves the door open for another crypto to kind of become a commodity opposed to just Bitcoin being a commodity. Although it lo- allows uh, crypto holders to pay up to $200 worth at the time of purchase with no capital gains tax, you know, which obviously is a positive. But, you know, there was a kind of this big song and dance at Bitcoin 2022 uh, in Miami, where uh, Jack Mahler's got up there and kind of said that he was going to be working with Cynthia and Loomis on this bill to essentially make it very much pro Bitcoin. Um, and so I'm a little disappointed on that. And I'd like to hear kind of your thoughts, because obviously it is positive that, uh, you know, you can pay up to $200 to maybe your local rancher or somebody like that and not have to deal with the capital gains tax. But, you know, how do you kind of deal this this bill where it's, not necessarily 100% full Bitcoin, and it leaves the door open for, you know, maybe some of these altcoins or shitcoins. Well, the way I look at it, and it's how we look at the beef initiative, is that, you know, there is only one Bitcoin, and it's Bitcoin. And, you know, you cannot, in the beef initiative, there is shitcoins or shitcoins, and there's no doubt this is there's no half measures here. You can't half ass yourself into Bitcoin and what Bitcoin's trying to accomplish. And whenever you look at, you know, I have a lot of respect for, you know, centers of limits and everything. But in the end, you know, a lot of these uh, cryptos and these sh- these shit coins, they're, they're going to use be used nefariously. You know, we already know that we already know the lot of the stuff that they have planned with blockchain. And you can look at a lot of these types of innovations that they're doing. And I reflect back into the dot-com boom and the dot-com bust that that was basically, you know, some, you know, during my professional career in big tech and it's the same shit. And you're going to have all these rules and regulations that are wrapped around, you know, this new technology. And a lot of it is just way too early. And what they're doing is they're projecting. And they're projecting and think how they could think it's going to play out and how they can actually control the regulation of Bitcoin. Bitcoin don't care. That's what they don't accept yet. And that's what everybody in the world's going to figure out. So they can go ahead and throw in their little blockchains and all their shit coins and all their cryptos all they want, but they'll defeat themselves. And so it really won't matter in the long run. It doesn't matter how they try to regulate it. It doesn't matter how much the legislation tries to frame it. 
and they're trying to, you know, you have to balance, you know, you have to balance on a fence whenever you're in legislation and you're a lawmaker and you have to please certain entities. And I see a lot of idealistic bullshit when it comes to crypto. And I think it's a joke to tell you the truth because I've seen it and it's going to fail. And whenever you have this idealistic bullshit in, in money and in tech and in food, you know, you're going to actually you're going to eat your own tail. So as far as, you know, you know, Senator Loomis, you know, she's doing what she has to do. I'm glad that she is into Bitcoin. I'm glad that she is into ranching. And I have a lot of respect for that. But take take Senator Loomis out of this bill. I don't worry about it that much because I know that it will destroy itself, just like the dot com boom and the dot com bust. And when it happens, it'll funnel into a system that people will come to a form of acceptance that Bitcoin is the only Bitcoin. And then we can move on from there. So I'm just waiting for that big old black hole to open up and everything to come swooping down into Bitcoin. And that's what's going to happen, like within pure animal protein. You know, you have all these vegans and vegetarians that are very idealistic. Well, that idealism is basically going to make them nutritionally weak and they're basically going to end up eating their own tail. So if you live in the truth of, of, of what you believe in and you can stand behind that, I have no problem saying that shit coins are shit coins and crypto is a joke. Yeah, hey, I agree with you 100 percent. And on that note, too, I mean, like, you know, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but, you know, they're nutritionists kind of. That try to lead you towards veganism and like everything tries, you know, the, the general system, they try to lead you toward this, these cryptos and shit coins and everything like that. And at the end of the day, I think you're a hundred percent right where there's only one Bitcoin. Right. And uh, yeah. I think the quicker people realize that and realize like, Hey, you know, I'm not, I'm just chasing yield and chasing some meme coin or some bullshit thing here, bullshit thing there. Uh, eventually they're going to be okay and they'll, they'll find Bitcoin, but I just hope they just don't get rugged in the meantime. And well, so, let me, yeah, let me bring into the beef to decide in the rancher on this. Okay. You look at crypto and you look at blockchain and how, you know, it uses to, you know, verify and, ha you know, that centralization that you don't have access to that data and how they're trying to digitize our food. They're trying to digitize the cow in a way to where it takes all freaking control of raising that cattle out of the rancher's hand. And it's going to be done with some crypto technology, some blockchain technology that is centralized control by somebody that's very high on ESG. And everybody thinks that we have to know the pulse of a cow the whole time. It's and to know exactly when that cow was raised and everything about that cow. And that's going to be used as marketing with this type of technology that they're trying to tell these ranchers that they have to adapt to. It's just another form of regulatory capture that they have already done. And they're going to use crypto and they're going to, you know, they're going to use blockchain technology to capture the rancher, just like the farmers and ranchers are now captured by the technology use agreement that Monsanto created years and decades ago. And so it'll be used against the uh, American rancher. Well, if it's used against the American rancher and pure food, well, it's going to be used against you in a nefarious way. And that's what people need to wake up to. And then you have all these uh, these this stupid bullshit NFT crap that's going around and ranchers saying, well, I can take pictures of my cows and sell them as NFTs. And you have these people pushing these NFTs on these ranchers. Well, that's just giving the rancher false hope. I mean, you know, it's not going to pan out. 
So there is only Bitcoin and that's the only thing that the rancher needs to know about it. And I tell them all the time. I don't even have the discussion anymore. It's like there is only one Bitcoin and it's Bitcoin. Exactly. And then. All right. So that kind of leads me into my next story, which is Celsius Network has filed for bankruptcy. So essentially they're kind of, uh, you know, they're associated with three areas capital. So. There's been Voyager, which has also stopped withdrawals and filed for bankruptcy. BlockFi, which got bought out at an extremely cheap valuation compared to what they were last year. And Three Arrows Capital themselves, which has filed for bankruptcy. And now, you know, the the founders of that are seemingly missing and fleeing the country, uh, supposedly. <laughs> so, um, you know, high, like Celsius Network is kind of known for giving... Uh, you know, users a, a high yield and being able to loan against or get a loan against their Bitcoin and everything like that. So how do you kind of tell these farmers and, and people kind of getting into Bitcoin when you convince them when they see products like this and you tell them, hey, don't be enticed by these kinds of yields, like, you know, maybe hold your own keys or, or kind of do that. You know, is it easier because the farmers are already kind of decentralized where they're maintaining everything or do you kind of still have those like uphill battles where they're like, you know, kind of chasing that yield and chasing that extra Bitcoin, extra money? Well, I like to look at it and this is observations from what I've been doing the last couple of years. And what I find out is that you can tell a rancher and their intention and how good of their rancher they are, how well they understand Bitcoin. If they're a half-ass rancher, they're going to be a half-ass Bitcoiner. And you see that across the board. So it is there's a balance there that you can notice. And, you know, they get the you know, they get they understand the decentralization part of it. Right. Well, they understand the proof of work aspect of it as well. You know, they don't have to go much further whenever you say, well, it's proof of work. You know, ever you know how, how Bitcoin is mined, how it's it's updated, how it's verified, you know, the block, everything, TikTok, max block. And so you start talking about it like that whenever it's time to educate them. Most of them do get it and, and it's not a hard sell to them. They just don't know where to kind of introduce their understanding of it all because a lot of ranchers, they're not that technical savvy because they're too busy being damn ranchers. You know, they're not in front of the computer that much, but they do understand numbers. They understand manipulation. They understand corruption. And they understand, you know, being independent and sovereign. So once they get into that rabbit hole, whenever they're ready, you know, I always just tell the rancher that Bitcoin exposes the truth. So just go down the rabbit hole and you're going to find out the truth of everything that you look at from here on out. And a lot of times it's easy for them to get into that. And you'd bring up all the corruption, you know, Celsius, Voyager, all this, you know, bullshit that's happening. Once again, the dot-com boom, the dot-com bust. $1.7 trillion was lost pretty much overnight. And this is the beginning of that. And right now that would be about four point something trillion dollars with a, you know, the devaluation of the dollar where it is right now. So you think about how big of a crash it we're going to come into within the crypto space. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. And it seems like, you know, it's just kind of like uh, just, you know, it's, it's a regulation or it's a place where, you know, the dot-com boom had a little bit more regu regulation because the, the stock market and the stock exchange is a little bit more regulated. Granted, it is manipulated, and I think there's no avoiding that. But, um, yeah. you know, the crypto space is a little bit outside of regulation. And a lot of these companies, 
you know, blew up and, you know, Celsius Network, I believe, started in like 2017 or something like that. And then they had a multi-billion dollar valuation um, last year or maybe even the, earlier this year. Um, and then now look at them. So I think like a lot of these companies blew up really quick and didn't know how to manage it and uh, wasn't prepared for a potential black swan or a potential dip uh, because they grew up, you know, when it's all rising up and, you know, good companies uh, are made during bear markets, in my opinion. And, and like you said, yeah. I think uh, the more a rancher or somebody along those lines understands Bitcoin, the, the less the price matters. And I think, uh, you know, overall, that that's great to hear that, that you know, those good ranchers in there kind of have that faith in Bitcoin and kind of pick it up a little bit quicker. And so that has me really encouraged about the, the, the future. And I think, uh, you know, that opens up to, to more of the freedom aspect. And so, um, sure. the next story that I'm going to go into is a little bit more on like the freedom of speech aspect. And so it's outside of like just straight up Bitcoin, but I think it kind of aligns with like, the Bitcoin ethos and maybe like the beef initiative where, uh, Twitter is now taking Elon Musk to court. And I think <laughs> it's kind of been, um, you know, this kind of funny saga. It seems like everything's kind of changing one way or another, but essentially Elon Musk, proposed to purchase uh, Twitter for $44 billion, I believe it was. And they weren't able to give him, uh, you know, accurate valuations of how many bots and fake accounts are on the platform. And so he's backed out of the deal. And now Twitter is up in arms and now going at him to make him buy it. But, you know, I think whether you, no matter how you view it, Elon kind of wanna, wants to open up Twitter and make it more of a, a free speech platform without the censorship and things like that. So, you know, how do you view, uh, I guess, this? Because you know, maybe maybe some ranchers aren't on Twitter or anything like that. Maybe they're, they're you know, secluded from technology. But, uh, you know, when you kind of do these traveling things and things like that, and you're open to speak freely and, you know, shake your farmer's hands and things like that, uh, how do you think, like, those conversations go compared to, you know, maybe some of the interactions you see online or some of the people, you know, maybe uh, mincing words and things like that. Like, how do you view this whole like free speech and maybe like some censorship movements that are going on right now in the United States? Well, going back to Elon, I think he's playing a game of chess is what he's doing. You know, he knew what was basically on the internal works of Twitter. And, you know, he's exposing the truth of Twitter, which is which is fine. You know, that's what he needs to do. And that 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 little saga is not over yet. It's going to be to where, you know, he, he basically, in my opinion, they're going to come crawling back to Elon saying, please buy us, please buy us. And he's going to say, yeah, maybe, you know, let's let's knock down that, you know, that that uh, that bid that we first settled on and i saw that during the dot-com boom too you look at yahoo i mean yahoo had a big head and what they, they you know there were billions and billions of valuation and then what they sell for four point something billion in the end by verizon and so you know verizon phone company bought <laughs> yahoo and so we'll see if that's kind of the saga that uh, Twitter goes through. Um, yeah, there's a lot of censorship. There really is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the ranchers, like I say, yeah, they're going to be on some social media apps and stuff like that. But for the true intelligence of what they do, they don't get censored. The only censorship that actually happens is if they're in underneath that umbrella, which is, you know, the 
the the umbrella of Bear and Monsanto and the processing centers. You know, that's the type of censorship they have to deal with. They they're not afraid to speak their mind, especially if you're they're not trapped under that umbrella. So the the meeting of a rancher is is something that you just don't you know you don't take for granted, man. They know bullshit. You can't come up to them and you can't be frigid. You can't be fragile. You can't show your vulnerabilities. You got to be a man. You got to go or a woman. You got to be pretty based and you got to establish a conversation that is true. And if you approach them with some respect, you know, that free speech is still very much alive. And we don't have to worry about censorships and we don't have to worry about fact checkers. We don't have to worry about centralized control apparatuses. We don't have to worry about bots. We don't have to worry about the telecommunications industry. We don't have to worry about the United States government saying you can't have these conversations, you know, and you're on podcasting 2.0. I mean, that's that's going to be something that we're introducing with, you know, with our podcast as well. Texas Slim's media company is about to be announced. And so, you know, Adam Curry's been working with us closely to where we're fully integrated in, and we're going to go full on screw YouTube, man. In the long run, screw them. I'm already shadow banned on YouTube for talking about food intelligence, you know, and that's, that's the world that we live in. So let's circumvent around it. I'm not going to be dependent on that type of crap. I'm going to speak my mind because all we do is speak the truth and you can't hide the truth. You can kind of squash it a little bit, but the truth wins in the end. So I'm not, I don't really get you know tied up about all that crap that goes on because if it happens, it happens. They shut down the internet tomorrow, man. I got a full freezer of beef. I got some good relationships. I'll get my damn pickup truck and I'll go see them. And I think that you're nailing it on the head, right? It's like, it's relationships at the end of the day. It's real life yeah. stuff, which, which prospers. And I think like people are kind of waking up to the fact that, you know, people are seeing that Elon is like going at them for their bots and like, you know, going at them for a censorship. And I think all this stuff, like people are slowly waking up to the fact that everything's being manipulated, everything's being changed and that we're being lied to. And I think like, Honestly, a big part of it has been social media, like the the exchange of information, how it's been so quick and easy. Yeah. So I think there's some benefit to that, but I also think like you know having some people in power and having like some shareholders where like they're like, hey, you know, I don't like this, I don't like that. I also think is negative. So yeah. I think you know, in, at the end of the day, having almost like a decentralized uh, social media platform, kind of like Twitter, where you can exchange ideas, pictures, videos, all that kind of stuff would be the best. But, you know, I, I, I truly believe that at the end of the day, you know, this kind of stuff will prosper. And I think, uh, you know, the free speech and, and everybody's ideas, just like you said, like, you know, maybe you're getting shadow banned on YouTube. I don't have a big following on YouTube, so I'm going to just say that I'm being shadow banned just because of that. <laughs> Why not, but, right? <laughs> exactly. But uh, I mean, like, I think, you know, it's it's slow and steady. And I think uh, people are starting to wake up and they're they're really wanting this kind of information. And I think they really um, are. You know, and one, let, let's talk about that. You got to change your behavior a little bit. OK, you got to be willing to change your behavior. 
because it's a it's a it's a net positive move, you know, to get away from it. And, and Saturday morning, get your ass up and go find out where you live and go find somebody and go meet with them, you know, that is a producer or some type of producer and strike up a conversation, make those plans, be intentional, have a sense of agency to what you're doing as a Bitcoiner, you know, create that lifestyle that you want to be. It's out there already. We just got to, you know, we got to get away from all this distraction. I haven't watched freaking TV in three years, man. I don't touch that damn thing. I don't have any any advertisements or marketing coming through these ears. I don't look at anything that is a marketing or advertising. I watch no news. I see no news. The only thing I see right now is on Bitcoin Twitter, and that's it. I don't pay attention to anything else. I buy, I do use YouTube for the music and for the type of stuff that I need to study because there's a lot of good education on YouTube, but I pay $12.95 a month where I don't have to freaking watch all that poor, horrible, you know, centralized marketing propaganda bullshit. People need to lose all these distractions that are going around because it really doesn't affect them unless they allow it to affect them. And that's what we need to do. The younger generation needs to know that because you guys have never been away from it that like that. And I guarantee you, man, it's a hell of a good mind space to get into. Your life gets better. You start eating better. You start doing intentional relationship building. You change your life. And that's, you know, that's really what the Beef Initiative is about is relationship building. Well, let's build some relationships like we have to through Twitter, through social media, all of that kind of stuff. But let's kind of pivot and pivot before, you know, they take that chance away from us. During times of mass prohibition, there are times of mass innovation because of the mass prohibition. And that's where we are right now in this world. And people need to wake up and say, it's time to innovate. It's not time to be, you know, to have a life of prohibition against yourself as the, the strong individual. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And I think like, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, maybe my generation or maybe the one below me is always, you know, just wrapped up in their phone and everything like that. And I think the one thing that Bitcoin really taught me personally was to question a lot of these things. And that's how, you know, I found you, I found like the beef initiative and I found a lot of these things. And, you know, I, I think it's great to do that because at the end of the day, you're just told the status quo, right? Like you're told the same things for so many years in school and education and everything like that. And then not only that, it's reiterated in ads and, and all that, that kind of stuff. And so when you take a step back, you're like, okay, well, this 2% inflation, like it, like on average, and that's their goal, like that shouldn't be a target, right? Because I, the, I mean, it just doesn't make sense if you really step back and think about it. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, more people are kind of waking up to that fact. And I think, unfortunately, because they're waking up to it is is because of like the massive amount of inflation and kind of yeah. the society changing. And so it's hurting their pocketbooks where before, you know, they weren't really questioning it because they're like, you know, it's not really need. I'm making OK money. Like, I don't really have to pay attention to this stuff. But I think, you know, slowly but surely more people are waking up. And uh, that's where I think like, you know, the Bitcoin movement and like stuff like the Beef Initiative is going to be really strong where more of these people are, are waking up and going to realize like, oh, shit, like, why did all this happen? And then that's when they start reading. That's when they start researching all that stuff. And so, you know, I'm encouraged for the future. I'm I'm a little mad and angry that it took like a COVID, you know, crisis 
um, in, in air quotes here of, uh, you know, getting people to get on that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I really do believe like America allows entrepreneurs to prosper. And I think a lot of great things are going to come out of maybe this dip as, uh, you know, a lot of that great things came out of the last, uh, last crisis and uh, economic crisis and things like that. So I'm encouraged. Yeah. And I think, you know, like stuff like that you're doing with the beef initiative and everything like that, you know, I think is, is awesome. And I think, you know, Bitcoiners as a whole, it just, just keep supporting them, just keep supporting them. And uh, yeah. well, right now, you know, every, everybody has to understand in the Bitcoin space, this is one big collaboration. You know, there is no script now. And so what we have to do, we don't have to ask for permission. Quit asking for permission. Go out there and innovate. Do whatever the hell you want to. Design your life to where you have a voice. And a lot of times you have a voice is because you innovate. It's not because you keep on talking. It's because you go out there and you make something happen. And if we can get that attitude going and, you know, because like I said, once again, I'm sorry for repeating, but when we innovated during, you know, the dot-com boom, I mean, that was some exciting times. And I learned a lot. You know, I had a lot of great experiences. It let me go around the world. I mean, it was fun. Well, I see that right now, that same type of, you know, Austin, you know, Tennessee, Wyoming. You got it everywhere in Bitcoin, Florida. Things are happening. Well, get excited about it and go out there and write your own script with what you want Bitcoin to do for you and how you're going to leverage, you know, this new store of value, this, this, you know, this decentralized mindset that gives you, you know, the, the access to truth of how, you know, where we came from and where we can go, you know, get excited about that. And, and the more that you don't pay attention to the distractions, it, it, it just makes us more powerful as a community, as a Bitcoin community. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think Bitcoin is more so for like the common man. And so on that note, that'll kind of wrap me into the last story here. So um, the New York Yankees, they have now said that all employees can accept Bitcoin as payment. So, you know, when you think of these sport athletes and things like that, you think of maybe like an Aaron Judge or you know, John Carlos Stanton, like the big names accepting Bitcoin as payment. And maybe it doesn't matter because they're making you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And OK, they receive a million dollars in Bitcoin, which is at one percent of their payment or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I think the bigger story is here is that the Yankees are letting everybody accept payment in Bitcoin. So now you got the beer vendors, the hot dog guys, you know, people showing people to the seats, all those kind of stuff. Uh, you know, being able to accept Bitcoin as payment. And I think that's a huge step forward because, you know, now you're having the access to accept Bitcoin as payment for the common man. And, you know, in New York, uh, Strike isn't, in, isn't available, but, you know, in Texas and in Florida, Strike is. So, you know, if you want to receive your, your paycheck in Bitcoin, you can, you know, set some per percentages and go through it that way. But, you know, I think just the more access people get to Bitcoin and uh, allowing to get paid in Bitcoin right away, opposed to like, okay, I get paid, maybe I don't see it right away. You know, I don't get the the correct price. It's going up, yada yada yada. I think uh, now the Yankees are going to have to, you know, get a little Bitcoin on the payroll, and the Yankees are going to have to, you know, have some accountant and have somebody like, you know, in their tax department dealing with all that stuff. I think it just gives more exposure to everybody. And being such a prominent franchise and sports franchise, I think that they're probably the the most uh, 
the highest valuated uh, MLB franchise, maybe next yeah. Rogers or something like that. But, you know, having something like that, uh, allowing their workers to accept Bitcoin just gives it even that much more validity than than it had before. So, you know, what do you think about this, this movement of not only like the Yankees doing this, but like all these companies allowing people to accept Bitcoin as payment for, you know, their time and effort? Well, yeah, I mean, I like the two part of the question because I'll go back to like the vendors, you know, the people that are trying to make a living, you know, you know, piggybacking on the industry of Major League Baseball. Right. Well, I go back to, you know, Cole Bolton with KNC Cattle that's already basically traded for a full Bitcoin and he has the right to do that and he has the right to make that decision to do that. And he, he can go into Bitcoin and saying, hey, I just want to save on the transaction fees for the credit card companies. I don't want to pay that 2.7%. Or maybe he wants to leverage, you know, 10% of his Bitcoin. Is this out of sight, out of mind? He doesn't even think about it. And he does his business model around that 90%. Therefore, he has that peace of mind that he does have that store of value that he's going to build his legacy on. Or maybe he's going to go 50-50 and say, hey, let's get this. Let's hit this next cycle and really... But guess what? That's his decision. He gets to do it. OK, well, to get to that point, to that mind space and to the technology stack, that was innovation. So what he's doing, he's being part of the innovation that's taking us into the next step. And that goes to the New York Yankees. Well, you damn right. They're going to have to figure out some, you know, some books now. They're going to have to find some accountants. They're going to have to look at their organization and say, how do we adopt this? How do we create a business model around this new payment system? Because we're going to have to talk about retirement. We're going to have to have all these kinds of different things that we do offer that's based on fiat. Well, now we got to base it on Bitcoin and we've got to allow everybody and we've got to look at the legal side of that. What are we going to do? All of this is just forms of adoption and innovation that basically is forced upon an industry that might be fighting it. But once you get these people that truly innovate within to it a little bit, they become the norm. They take the arrows because they're the ones that are through the door first. Well, after that, then you get everybody else running in because, you know, the door is clear. You know, the arrows have been shot. And that's wherever you see companies like within technology, you saw Amazon, Google, Facebook came through from all those first, you know, those first, first runners in technology. You know, the Netscapes, the the Pets.com, you know, all that crap that happened. And then you had the true innovation that came up behind that. You're going to have the same way and the same thing that happens in Bitcoin. And I, you know, it's a good thing that a major league baseball team, you know, the Yankees, you know, they're, they're taking that responsibility to be that because maybe they understand to stay that high on the pedestal that they're going to have to do something like this. And they're 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 finding a way to maybe make the 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 sport you know more popular again. You know, there's no telling where this is going to go, but it's going to innovate, and we're gonna we're gonna be better off of it, you know, for it because of, in the Bitcoin space. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you you kind of made a point there about the three percent fees, and you know, I know that American Express even charges up to seven percent fees on those yeah. transactions, and it just makes me think, okay, like. Even if they just say we're going to go as a status quo, but we're going to accept Bitcoin as payment. And instead of, you know, giving those 3% fees to Visa, MasterCard or those 7% fees to, uh, to American Express, we just hold Bitcoin in there. Yeah. Imagine doing all that with an appreciating asset opposed to uh, paying off a depreciating asset 
in the U.S. dollar. I mean, that just does wonders for not only like ranchers and farmers, but small businesses too. And I think, you know, especially in a time where we had, you know, the lockdowns and all these regulations and things like that, that really killed small businesses. I think like right now, more than ever, it's, it's a no brainer, right? Like you just, it really is. I mean, it's going to save the small businesses in ways that hasn't been uncovered yet. You know, you get out right now and you look at Ibex, you look at Oshi, every Bitcoiner should be downloading Oshi and Ibex right now, onboarding with Ibex and Oshi and learning about it. You think about all these vendors, you know, that within the New York Yankees, if they have Ibex, they, you, you have Zap right now. We have an invoicing system. You have Ibex. You have Oshi. All of these technology, they're there. We're ready to do it. And the Bitcoiners have to take the responsibility to go and go innovate into those markets or saying, OK, we want to accept it now. Where do we go? We have to step up and get that education to them, you know. And so everybody out there, you know, we need from Ibex. We have Rye, we have Annalise, we have Carlilo, you know, Michael with Oshi, JP with Oshi. You got some people out there that have done tons of work. It's ready, man. And so whenever we find these opportunities, let's go pursue them. Just like with the ranchers, you know, the technology's there. We have to bring it. We can't sit on our hands and saying Bitcoin number go up. We have to use it. We have to educate within it because we're the Bitcoiners. We have to take that responsibility. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, if if for all the people listening, if maybe you missed my episode with Oshi, uh, with Michael Atwood, the founder of Oshi, it's very advantageous for plebs, too, because, you know, instead of Visa or MasterCard being those 3% fees, you know, Oshi gives that 1%, you know, back to you. And then exactly. there's the circular economy and everything like that. You're keeping the Satoshis within, you know, your local area and everything like that. And it's, it's very advantageous. So I encourage all the plebs to go out there and try to orange pill, whether it's your local coffee shop or brewery. And I'm actually doing that on my personal Twitter account, not the green candle one, but I'm, right. I'm going out and I'm working at breweries and coffee shops and things like that and trying to orange pill them and, accept it and i'm having a tough time right now but uh and once i have that breakthrough and kind of go and orange pill some people i will uh i'll be detailing that so be on the lookout for that let me tell you let me tell you something i learned about orange pilling when it comes to the ranchers okay people ask me all the time say like how do you orange pill a rancher because everybody wants to know you know all right this is it this is the golden ticket here so i'm gonna this is this is good information Whenever you go up to a rancher, you go up and shake his damn hand. You look him in the eyes and you say, hey, my name's so-and-so. Would you tell me um, exactly what you do and why you do it? And then you go, would you educate me even more? And then you ask them, say, hey, where do you come from? Why do you do what you do? How do you do what you do? What is it that you exactly you do? You get him talking about what he does and th- or she. And then you say, would you educate me even more? And once they've educated you and they're educating you a little bit more because they want to tell you what they do for a living and you want to respect them for what they do, then you ask if you can buy something from them. And then you don't talk about Bitcoin. You go ahead and buy something from them, buy some beef from them. And then you say, well, hey, I'm going to be back and I want to have this conversation again. And then you go back and then you have that same conversation that you did in the beginning. And then you say, you know, can I buy some more for me? You know where that conversation ends up going? 
goes straight to Bitcoin. You don't have to bring up Bitcoin. All you have to do is establish a relationship that is full of respect and trust. After you've established that trust and that conversation will flow freely. You're not a damn salesman. You're a Bitcoiner. And that's what we need to understand. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, that's the biggest thing for me too. And and I'm kind of trying to run into that. And the problem that I'm running into is like, I'm, I'm meeting with these baristas or like, you know, these people that are working at the brewery and they're just working there. So I'm like, well, you know, do yeah. I want to be that guy and ask for the owner or whatever. Um, so maybe I got to go at like a different time or something like that. To Man, get we got to get, we got to get gorilla with this. Okay. I mean, especially coffee shops and bars and stuff. You just ask whoever your server. I mean, they're, they're busy. I mean, I bartended when I was young. Man, they don't give a shit about Bitcoin. They're trying to make money. So you just say, hey, you take Bitcoin? And they'll say, no. I said, well, why not? And they won't have an answer. It's, it's okay. And then, you know, you go back. You say, hey, man, you take Bitcoin yet? And you just keep on asking them. And there's going to be that day that it just happens, man. People find Bitcoin whenever they deserve to find Bitcoin. You just have to be ready. It's like a relationship that's good. You know, the relationship just kind of happens and you just kind of accept it if you want to be in it. Right. If you don't want to be in it and you're, you're too pushy, then they're going to say, I don't want to be in this relationship with you. And so you got to treat Bitcoin the same way. It's like, well, I've already got a good relationship with Bitcoin, but, you know, I want to I want to share it a little bit with everybody else. But you're not going to push it on people because they're just not ready for it. And whenever they're ready, they'll 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 get on orange pilled and then they'll become like a little disciple. You know, they'll become an ambassador for Bitcoin. It happens to everybody. So patience, low time preference, good communication, relationship building. You know, it's, it's about sound money, sound health, sound communications for a sound future. <laughs> there we go. That That's the process right there. And so I think like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm going to keep going back to the same brewery, same coffee shop. And I'm just going to keep asking every time. And uh, sure. yeah, you know, th they're starting to get to know me there now that I'm, uh, you know, working there and, and hanging out there during the day. So, you know, maybe I'll crack through one of these days and uh, I'll, I'll have to thank you, Texas Slim, for. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you another trick. OK, what you do the next time is like, OK. You get them to download a blue or moon wallet, whatever it is, right? And you get them to download a, a blue wallet, whatever it is that you choose, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. And then all you do is uh, you get them set up, you know, as, you, as you're drinking a couple of pints, whatever. And then you get them set up on their phone and, you know, it takes a little time to get them set up. You get them set up on that phone says, all right, tonight, because you let me do this, I'm going to go ahead and tip you twice as much as, as I was going to with Fiat. From here on out, every time I come in here, I'm only going to tip you in Bitcoin. And you start with those slow little tricks like that, but you're really educating the whole way. And you go ahead and tip them out and send them, you know, 20 bucks a tip in a Bitcoin and with a Bitcoin. I guarantee you they start paying attention because how easy it is. And that next day, they're going to be looking at their little whatever cash app, whatever the hell they're using. And they're going to say, shit, man. Wow. And then the next time you're going to tip them the same and then you're going to keep on doing that. Say next time I come in here, I want to be paying and you're going to tell them it's like you're paying for my beer in Bitcoin. I mean, in cash, you make them go pay in cash. And then you say, I'm going to give you the rest of this in Bitcoin. And you start forcing the issue in a very subtle way and you'll see things start changing. And that's how we got to start approaching. It's a slow roll. It's low time preference. And we're not used car salesmen.
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Texas Slim. Thank you so much for your time. I, I feel like I've talked to you for days, honestly. So hopefully we meet in person one of these days and, uh, you know, we have a beer or maybe a steak, uh, you know, and, and I I'll learn how to cook it on a cast iron or something like that. But why don't you tell everybody what you got going on, where they can find you? Uh, yeah. And uh, if I think you miss anything, I'll, I'll be sure to bring it up. So. Okay. Let's go down the run right rundown because there's a lot going on. Let's first talk about the Colorado Conference. These conferences are special. They're going to be somewhat historical in the long run. You're going to figure that out if you don't get to these. It is a lifestyle change. We've got tons of good people. We've got three day conference. And you're going to meet a lot of, it's going to be like a family affair, man. There's all kinds of education. You're going to leave Colorado feeling like you, you basically a call to action that you want to change things and you're going to feel pretty good, but you can go to the beefinitiative.com website and it's beefinitiative.com of course. And you can buy your tickets. You can look at the conference. You can look at the education that we're giving to the ranchers. You can look about our Tennessee to uh, Texas to Tennessee tour. I just did. We have a scholarship fund program that we've created. It's all backed by one full Bitcoin that I put up for the ranchers. And so we are a Bitcoin company and then we're going to have another conference in September. And I'm not going to tell you exactly about it because we're going to get through Colorado, but we're going to have two more conferences this year. And then we're going to get ready for 2023. And, uh, you know, there's going to be, a lot of conferences. There's going to be a lot of new headquarters coming up in all of these really great places that people are establishing, like Bitcoin Park. We've got down at, you know, BitDevs. We've got everything that's going in Austin. It's just too vast right now. We've got Colorado, you know, strictly on regenerative farming and ranching the Colorado way with Jason Rick. Um, anything else, man, go to the Texas Slim Substack texaslim.substack.com learn about food intelligence it's what it's a it's almost a damn book by now there's plenty of information in there to get informed texas slim's vision we're we're podcasting 2.0 man we're there and you know go to the fountain at you know stream some sats whatever we the whole team of that's helping with the podcast all these bitcoiners they're the ones that are getting the sats and all the sats that I get streamed to me go straight into that scholarship fund for the ranchers. So you can do whatever. No, I don't have to ask for permission, man. All of this is good stuff. So, you know, join in the beef finishing and find out where you fit in and let's, let's get busy. Exactly. And I'm going to put all that stuff in the show notes too. So if you want to check it out, you know, please do support Texas slim and you know what you're doing for the ranchers and beef initiative is awesome. And I mean, like I ate a steak here a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek, joking, but honestly, like I, I really do appreciate what you're doing for all this stuff. And I really love it. So, um, you know, when you're kind of coming down and, and you make the trip to Florida and go through all that stuff, like if, if anything, let me know what I could do to help support or get the word out or everything like that, because, you know, uh, as, as a Texan, uh, I really do support what you're doing. And I think, uh, you know, everybody, not only in the Bitcoin space, but everybody, you know, around the around the country and around the globe can benefit from what this stuff you're doing. So Texas Slim, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'm going to have to have you back on like maybe after maybe in like a year or so to check up on you and see how uh, this will probably be sooner than that. It'll probably be sooner than that, man. But anybody that wants to help out the beef initiative, I just tell everybody, man, if you want to get a part of this and you want to help us out, I'm going to work your ass off. So get ready, just like a rancher. So, you know, this is <laughs> this is not fanboy time. 
we're going to get to work. So come along with us, man. We're, get, we're, we're, we're about to accomplish a lot of stuff. Amen. Put in that proof of work. That's the whole Bitcoin narrative. Yeah. So uh, everybody and go follow Texas Slim on Twitter so you can kind of go figure this out. So it's not Texas Slim on Twitter. It's um, what what is your handle? It's like Modern T-Man. Yeah, Modern T-Man. At Modern T-Man. So if you follow me on Green, at Green Candle, you'll, you can find him on my followers as well. So um, go ahead and follow him. Go f- subscribe to his Substack. Check out the Beef Initiative. If it's close to you and you want to swing it, go to that conference. And buy the ticket on the Oshi app too. So shout out to Michael yeah. Atwood and everything like that. Um, donate some sats to his podcast. I'll be doing all of the above. So thanks so and then- much. In what in the last thing, everybody needs to remember this because if you don't do it now, you're going to be trying to do it in a month or two. Go buy yourself a beef box. You're going to need to get some beef in your freezer. So beefinitiative.com, go to the beef box section, section and uh, you can you can uh, secure your beef. I'm, and, and I'm saying that with seriousness now. You know, I'm not trying to sell beef right now. We want to sell it, but we want people to understand what's going on with our food supply too. start paying attention. Hey, I'm going to buy one too uh, after we get off of here. So I'll be, I'll be doing that. And uh, if that doesn't help you, uh, you know, lead you that way, then I don't know what will, but right. thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And like I said, we're going to have to have you back on. Sounds like a plan. Appreciate you, man.